Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, the great thing about Thursday night football is that you don't have Sunday night football, so... Uh, the Bucks got the weekend after their loss, of course, up at Buffalo, which meant I got to see a lot of college football, a lot of NFL football, and i got to be honest with you, very little of it was entertaining. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in front of the tube, man, but we're going to talk about all of that, um, as well as uh, Tampa Bay Lightning back in action tonight, of course. But let's let's kind of get started um, with a story that I wrote that, that you freaking people, as Steve Dooming, the late Steve well, I mean, I asked you before we recorded, so you're benching Baker Mayfield, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I wrote. Let's bench Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I think those are the exact words that I used. Um, listen, not for nothing, but the Bucks have lost three in a row. This may have slipped people's minds over the last few days. I understand that. And also four out of five. <laughs> so with the exception of one win in there somewhere, yeah, it's not trending the right way. Now, they did have a good day Sunday in that they didn't play, right? And while New Orleans won, and that's disappointing, Atlanta lost and also got their quarterback. I think uh, Ritter got knocked out for a little while, which is probably bad news for the Bucks because Taylor Heineke is so much better, in my opinion. But Atlanta lost. So what you have here is sort of a tie atop the NFC South between the Falcons and the Saints. And the both teams are what four and four, I think, at this point, and the Bucks are three and four, so a half game out, but a win over New Orleans. Like they're very much like it was a pretty good week. And then Carolina won their first game of the year, which is always fun. You know, you got to see Bryce Young celebrate. So, um, but beyond that, like there was a lot of injuries to quarterbacks uh, this Sunday, right? Um, yeah, Kirk, but one of which Kirk is not Cousins, big, uh, oh, out for God, the season yeah, with out for the year, the Achilles, the dreaded Achilles injury. And he was having, you know, this is really problematic for the Vikings. And this is why I hate pro football or any football sometimes when it affects people's future. Kirk Cousins has, has really, and he'll never get credit for this, but he's been a very successful quarterback and he's really having one of his better years. Um, and the Vikings, you know, having lost to the Bucks, and they were really, off to a horrible start, and they had a chance to get back to 500, um, and it looked like they're headed there. And and that division, even though Detroit is you know far and away better than everybody, Detroit's coming off a big loss themselves, and 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 they play, I think Monday night. But regardless, Kirk Cousins was playing well, and it was a long season, so the Vikings were still sort of in it. Now they're not, and Kirk Cousins, you know, the Vikings could have traded him, attempted to. Um, he has a no-trade clause, so that probably wasn't going to happen. But then he's a free agent after this year. So now not only will the Vikings get nothing, but then you wor- you wonder about, well, what's Kirk Cousins' future going to be? Now, he should recover from that Achilles because it happened early in the year. But nonetheless, you hate to see a good quarterback go out like that because he's playing really, really well. And he's a tough guy. He's a likable guy. If you watch the Netflix series at all, you would know that. But, um, yeah, I felt I felt kind of bad for him because he was, he was balling out. And – 
you know, it uh, just just a lot of injuries out there. San Francisco, the 49ers lose their third straight game. Your boy Joe Burrow is back in a big way with Cincinnati. Yeah, they look uh, – Joe Burrow for the first time all year looked good. and Sure did. Jim Nance and Tony Romo talking. For the first time all year, he was under center. That's like, true. They were protecting that calf. He was in the shotgun the whole time. Well, their offense runs better when he's under center. He plays better that way. Mm-hmm. And and they look like a whole different team. Like this is the team you expected to see out of the Bengals all year. Yeah. And the yeah. Niners lost three in a row now. Three in a row, and Brock Purdy doesn't look too good. And yeah, that that uh, Cincinnati game was was interesting for sure. And um, Tony Romo, he's under center, Jim. Here he goes, Tony. And 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 he was at one point, I think, like twenty five of twenty eight or something stupid. Twenty seven like of like thirty one at one point. Is I didn't that see what, the final number? Jesus. But yeah. I mean, and it. When he is hot, and I thought this was interesting too, because you know he is like the modern day Joe Cool. Well, Joe, the real Joe Cool, Joe Montana was in the building, so he got to see uh, the guy that they now call Joe Cool, and he gave a Montana like performance. He was fantastic against the Niners, who suddenly, it's interesting. You know, their formula involves running the football, and when they can't run it all that well, and they don't get turnovers and play defense and get good field position, suddenly Brock Purdy looks at times like Mr. Irrelevant. You know, he's good but not great. Um, I'm not ready to give up on the guy or anything, but I'm just saying, like, they can be, they can get got. That's three in a row. Cincinnati's a good team, but they lost to a couple teams that aren't so good, um, including, uh, I think, Cleveland with a backup quarterback. So you wonder about the 49ers now, and, and that's the thing. So that gets me back to Mayfield, and we're talking about, you know, they got off to this 3-1 and one start. So I wrote this story, and, and one of the headlines <laughs> on the website was, is Baker Mayfield in danger of losing his starting job? And if you read past the first graph, which nobody does, um, the answer is pretty emphatically no, he's not, right? Even though they lost three games, there's no signs of him being replaced. And his biggest advocate is the head coach, which helps – um, but literally, I wrote in in the first graph um, that you know, after the three and one start, like he's lost three games in a row, but not the confidence of his head coach or teammates. And then Bowles has a quote saying, "Now nah, he's doing his part. He's doing everything he can to try to make plays. Sometimes it's him. Sometimes it's not. Offense as a whole, the entire offensive thing. You know, we can't just lay it on Baker. So that's the old, you know, don't blame it all on the quarterback routine, which is what you should not do." Uh, even though the quarterback's always going to be the focal point of, of these sort of things. But after they lost, you know, 24 to 18, and they, they had the Hail Mary, you know, and all of that, you, you step, just take a step back and kind of look at Mayfield's season, and he's got, you know, one 300-yard game just once this season. Um, on on Thursday, he broke a streak of four straight games with at least one interception. And until they had that marathon drive that was 17 plays and 92 yards and took about – seven and a half minutes or so he was only nine of 15 um at that point uh, on that drive he was nine of 15 but before that he'd only completed 16 passes so half of them went in that one drive and if uh, you know and then you, you think about the passes he did complete well he went nine of 10 for 86 yards just dumping it to the running back in the flat that means he was 16 of 32 um for 151 when he went to target everybody else so it wasn't a great offensive day um they can disappear for long periods we know that um you know in the third quarter they barely were on the field he had just one pass for six yards so they're not playing well and he's not completing a lot of balls and 
you know, this is obviously on Canales. Um, and, and, you know, he's throwing the ball more. So there's like this acknowledgement that, yeah, you know what? We can't run the ball. And maybe they're kind of augmenting that fact by dumping it a little bit more to, to White, who's really good in space and is a pretty good receiver. So that, that counts, right? But they went from when they were 3-1, and one, um, he was only throwing it about 31.25 times. Now he's up to f- over 40 attempts per game. And, you know, that's just not sort of where the Bucks want to live. But um, the point is they're not going to replace him anytime soon, I don't think, unless he were just so awful. I think it's more likely he gets hurt, and he is hurt. He's got a knee problem. He got bent backwards in New Orleans. He aggravated that uh, the last two games, certainly against Buffalo. Um, but at the end of the day, like they're still very, very much in this. I mean, so they're three and four, and the two teams atop the NFC South, Atlanta and New Orleans now. New Orleans won, Atlanta lost. May have lost Desmond Ritter too for a while. We'll see, which is not a good development. But they're four and four. So, you know, they're half a game behind them, and they go to Houston. Well, Houston just lost to Carolina, and that was Carolina's first win in Bryce Young. So C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young squared off, and Carolina uh, wins their first game. So can you get the Texans? Yeah. Yeah, you could. In fact, of the next four games, only one team currently, which is the 49ers, has a, has a winning record. So the Bucks are far, far from out of this. And for that reason, and, and the fact that he's not the biggest reason they have lost, um, you're not going to make a change with Mayfield. And he does, but he does, and this is, this is no question about this, he's got to play better. You know, he, he's not going to be Josh Allen or Mahomes or some of these guys, Tua Tagovailoa. He's just got to be good and solid and, you know, uh, make the throws that are there to be made. He missed some throws. He always does. And he got some batted down, which never helps. But if this thing goes longer, because you're at three in a row, and I asked Bowles the other day, can this snowball? No, it's not going to snowball. Okay, well, three in a row may not be a snowball, but there's plenty on the ground if you want to pick it up and make one. And if they lose four in a row and then come home, you know, and and screw around with Tennessee, which, by the way, did you see – did you see what happened with the Tennessee Titans and their new quarterback? Yeah, four TDs Will Levis? Today. Four TDs for Will Levis, which begs the question, what the hell took you so long? <laughs> I mean, jeez. <laughs> Come on, Mike Vrabel. You've got talent. You drafted this guy fairly high. He goes out there and throws four tutties in his first game. And look, it wasn't like – these weren't just like, hey, check down, run for 80. No, this dude – stood and stared down the barrel and got hit and threw it about 45 yards and 50 yards in the air and hit a guy in stride. He was throwing dimes. He was really good. Um, that was probably the most exciting thing that uh, you know probably happened in football on Sunday was Will Levis. But, um, so, yeah, so now, now, now you got to play the Titans at home and, and they suddenly have a quarterback, which probably isn't good. But we'll see if they're going to have Derrick Henry because you know what's Tuesday is? Not just Halloween, Steve. Because I know you're all excited about dressing up for that. But it is NFL trading deadline, 4 p.m. So, so are the Bucks spookiness for the players, whether they're going to be traded well, or not? Well, can be. Can be a scary time for some players. Um, are the Bucks going to be buyers? Are they going to be sellers? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't sense they're going to do anything. That's 
typically what happens? Well, you're a half game out in the division. Yeah, you're not going to give up now. It's right? hard to I sell. Mean, right. And what could you, what do you have to barter with to buy? And what would you buy? You're well, not going to buy Derrick Henry, right? I well, mean, he's apparently cost. been told he's not going to be traded. Or he's been told that, but, he, but, but not expecting is, so to. Not expecting. Basically, the report of Schefter was, the Tennessee Titans have informed Derrick Henry they don't intend to, t- to trade him. However, if they got a super offer, they would consider it. Like, what? Yeah, what is it? Basically, like, basically, they'd have to get blown away. Yes. So... That's like, okay, my house isn't for sale. Somebody offer me a million too, I'm I'm out of here. Um but yeah, that Derrick Henry um is one of those guys that's talked about. Somebody's gonna get a good player, one of the contending teams, I'm sure. I don't think the Bucks do anything. I think Rashad White has given him a little more confidence these last couple games that he can run the football and can certainly catch the football. They've got Chase Edmonds back, so that's kinda like an extra back that they didn't have before when it was just you know, Keyshawn Vaughn and, and White. So where else would you, you know, look to upgrade? I mean, we got to find out what the health of Vita Vea is. Do you, you know, is there a defensive tackle hanging around? I mean, that's the thing. Like anybody who's any good has got to come from a really bad team and you're going to pay a King's ransom for it, or it's not much better than what you already have, you know? And so for that reason, I don't think the Bucks are, you know, trading many draft picks to uh, to try to, you know, swap you know one one average player for another i mean they've also got the practice squad they got other avenues available to them so i think they'll sit sit tight and not do anything and then when i say not do anything i mean they've they've got to start playing better and if they go to houston and win there um they come home against tennessee i mean this in in this short two weeks you go from three and four and you know a half game out to maybe you know what five and four and in first place. I mean, it's possible you could do that. So um, I think they're in decent shape. And I, and I think, I also think that I think Mayfield can play better than he is playing right now. Um, I don't think he's hit his ceiling just yet with this offense. I think he's hurt. I think that knee is an issue. Um, And because of that, I don't know that he's going to, you know, I know a couple weeks ago, he had that 31 yard run, but I think it's, probably less advised for him to move around too much out of the pocket. And so he sort of got to, he can't take those hits. He's got to get rid of the ball. Got hit a lot the last game. And when I talked to him, he was like, all I'll say is I'm awfully glad we have the mini bye week, you know, the mini days off there um, from Thursday night football because he's going to need it. So I don't know. There was a report over the weekend that he's pretty nicked up, but he's going to, he's going to be okay to play. Um, but it wouldn't be unusual to see him, you know, take it easy, especially, especially today because it's a bonus practice. Then they're off on Tuesday. Then they come back on Wednesday. So the real litmus test will be Wednesday, Thursday, that sort of thing. And then we'll get a better idea of, of who else they might be without or who might come back like a Vita Vea, who, they, who I think they desperately, desperately need. We'll talk some college football coming up. And, of course, fourth and uh, maybe dumb, as they're calling it at Florida. But f- I want to tell you guys that for, for the past 14 years, the skilled pros of May Electric Solar have been installing solar energy systems in Florida. They provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods and service, while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. Now, May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors, and they've always offered the safest and the most reliable equipment. Well, now, May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years, May Electric, backed by Solar Insure, means your roof, electrical, 
and equipment replacement is covered. Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar and is owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. Now, this policy will transfer to new homeowners with no fee. This is not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of this program. May Electric Solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. Boy, I was all hyped up for some college football. I thought there'd be some really close matchups, some interesting games, and uh, boy, was I wrong. There were some routes all over on Saturday, starting with the always uh, entertaining, but in this case, not very close, Florida-Georgia game in Jacksonville. The score is one thing. It's a little misleading, but it was 43-20, to Georgia which is not necessarily a surprise because they are the number one team in the country. The way the game started, though, Steve, I was like, whoa, like Florida gets the opening kickoff, a couple passes from mm-hmm. Graham Mertz before you know it. They're in the end zone. I'm like, okay, they came to play, man. This is good. This is good. Yeah, it was a great first drive. And, yeah. you know, it's exactly what they needed to do in a game like this. Absolutely. Punched them right in the mouth, mm-hmm. like right in the mouth. And so you're thinking, okay, this, this might go well. And then it didn't go well. It really wasn't good at all. Um, but there was, early on, there was a play in this game that, I don't know, they, they, they're referring to it a lot of different ways. Basically, it was a fourth and one situation, and they're calling it fourth and done, not 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 to be confused with, used to be back in the Doug Dickey days, there was a fourth and what they called fourth and dumb. This is fourth and done. Um, and it doesn't, it didn't change the outcome of the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you know, they, they had fourth and, and one and, and they were trying to be aggressive in this game. And I think that's the right way to approach if you're a heavily underdog in a rivalry game as they were, but the, they snapped the ball through Graham Mertz. He ran up to the line of scrimmage like he was going to run a sneak, and then they snapped the ball through Graham Mertz's legs into Travis Etienne, who had kind of a, a run-pass option, I guess you would call it, and got dropped for a loss. And then, you know, with the field position, Georgia scores a touchdown, game over, basically, at that point. Mm-hmm. It was 10-7 to 7 when he did this. Um, so, and that was it, you know? And and basically Napier just Napier just said, Yeah, you know, I it was one yard. Like I was, you know, I was gonna go for it. I was gonna be aggressive there. And after that, the gulf between Florida and Georgia became so apparent and so obvious. I don't know if Billy Napier or the next head coach is gonna close this anytime soon. Like it it's it's very noticeable how much better the dudes are at Georgia right now than they are at Florida. Now, Florida has a new program, a lot of young players playing and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, b- before they stopped ETN, Georgia had a slight advantage at 137 to 100 in total yards. After that, it was 349 to 239. Like, that doesn't even tell you how how bad it was because – they had a block punt that went out of the end zone for a safety. They had, you know, a couple more three and out. Like, they were never really in the game. And that's the distressing part is that they look like Vanderbilt would look against Georgia. You know, they look like, 
you know. Well, and to be fair, though, and I don't disagree, but Georgia probably has the best set of dudes in college football, period. In all of football, That's yeah. That's what I mean. They're number I, one by a lot, yeah. You know, I mean, they line up against anybody, and they've got the best dudes, probably. Agreed. Maybe a few positions here and there. Maybe they don't have the best quarterback. Alabama might match yeah. them in a few spots. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think Ohio State matches them in certain Ohio spots. Ohio State, I think, sure. You know, Michigan can. There's, there's teams that can. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the collection of dudes, Georgia probably has the best in football and has for a couple of years now, which is why they're the back-to-back, back-to-back national back champions. national champions and number one this year. I mean, saying that Florida, you know, can't compete or doesn't have the same amount of dudes as Georgia isn't is It's it not really, breaking news. No, I not know. at all. Not at all. But how far are they from being competitive against Georgia? Like, that's the thing that I wonder. Like, are we a year from now, if he's still here two years from now, are we going to be saying, wow, Billy Napier really caught up to Kirby Smart? Like, I... I I don't know. Like I didn't get the feeling. Dan Mullen's teams were more competitive, right? Uh, well, but I, but I don't know if Georgia was as good. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, two years ago, yeah. I, I mean, mean, two years. I mean, his last year, they won the national championship of Dan Mullen, right? But just in general, like they, yeah. I mean, Georgia's gotten better. Clearly, when you have back-to-back national championships, you've built something to that's gonna, you know, sustainable and keeps getting four and five stars. You know, those recruits have a lot of stars by their names, but. I mean, let's not it, it, let's not forget Kirby Smart didn't win the national title his first year at Georgia. He didn't win it his second or his third. He was butt beat by Alabama every year. Well, that's true. And you know, it took time to build it. I mean, that you know what Dion did for the first couple weeks of the season. Everyone's like, you can turn it a program around immediately. No, yeah, I mean, no, you can't. You can, How's Dion doing now? <laughs> I mean, you can turn it around and get a lot better quickly, particularly with the transfer portal and that. But you're not going from not competing to winning a national championship in a year. Like it doesn't happen. It didn't happen at Georgia. It doesn't happen at Bama or Ohio State or any of them. I mean, you know, once those programs get built and rolling, I mean, how far away is Clemson right now? You know, well, they, they just they were, broke their they were, streak of 10-win seasons. Yeah, I mean, you know, but you could, tur- you could turn things around pretty quickly if, if you get the right – I mean, Florida State, look at what they've done in the transfer portal. That's really helped. But Mike Norvell – who now is, you know, we're going to get see the first college football playoff rankings on Tuesday. Florida State may be in the top four. But it's his fourth year there. Like, it, he didn't come this year and, and turn it around, or last year. Mm-hmm. You know, he's built for four years and brought in the right recruits and transfer portal guys. Like, I know we're in an instant gratification society, and everything's got to be now. But the fact of the matter is you, you can't turn around programs that have been average for a while. In one year, it's not going to happen. Like you can get better, you can bring in some guys that are starting to change the culture and change some of that. But you don't, you know. I mean, like you, Deion well, Sanders was uh, going to win a national title all of a sudden two weeks into the season. Yeah, that that got away you from know, him quickly. Sure. Let, let's let's just look at this number though, and this is the one that mm-hmm. kind of flashes in my face a little bit. Is that in their last 21 SEC games, because that's really what matters, right? You got to beat mm-hmm. SEC teams. If, if you lose to Utah, or whatever, okay, whatever. Although Utah got smashed by Oregon. Um, they're 8-13. and 8-13, and 13, that's all SEC games, their last mm-hmm. 21. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's really bad. Like, it is. It's really bad. It is. But that's you, one you, reason. You, you that... sound like South Carolina to me. You know what I mean? Like, you, you that that resume sounds like, old, uh, not even old Mississippi State almost. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're not wrong. I mean, and it's that's why Dan Mullen got fired. Right. And, and Billy Napier's first year didn't have the dudes. 
mm-hmm. struggled. This year's been better. It's not great, you know. But lose, you know. Did did anybody really expect Florida to go in and and beat Georgia? I didn't think they'd win ten games or or hang with Georgia yeah. for a half. I, I didn't necessarily think that would be the case. Although mm-hmm. the first drive kind of made me think. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, Georgia, they played the best team in the country, not just in the SEC. So you, that's that's the, the gulf there. But if you look at like three of their final four games, including one against Florida State, they're against ranked teams. I mean, they can mm-hmm. go six and six. You're yes. just not used to, you know, Florida's worst year, they're going to win eight, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just what you're kind of used to. I mean, Jim McAway, nobody was, you know, craving him to come back. He was 16 and six in the SEC. You know, remember Ron Zook? He was 16 and eight. Even Muschamp, who they hated, managed to go 17 and 15 in four years. Not so, not so great so far with, with Napier. And you're right. A lot of it is new and, and, you know. The question is, do you think he's building it the right way? I don't know. Do you think he's <laughs> got the foundation that's going to bring in better recruits, bring in, you know, identify the right guys in the transfer portal? To to build yeah. a program, I mean, you know, that's what he's trying to do is build it. But if you, I know, but if you're six and six, are you going to get guys to say, "Hey, I, I want to play there"? Well, how did Mike I, Norvell do it? You might say, "I can play there" because they don't have any players. I mean, it's still Florida. It's still the SEC. It's no, they got yes, a lot you can. If if they if if play, nil well, money, I know. You know, you know. If players think that Billy Napier and his staff can help me get to the pros, well, that's they'll go be the there. Key. I mean, yeah, you, the you know that, and add nil in and everything else with it, but. You know, it's really a belief in the coach. It, you know, yes, you want to win national titles, but one out of 130 schools win it every year. Right. But start winning SEC games. Well, sure. Like, forget national titles. Just win games, but, like, in but, the SEC. But I'm saying recruits in that. Yes, you want to win titles, but more importantly, you want to develop yourself and have a chance to to continue your career beyond college. Right. Well, if he can get guys to the, to the league, that always helps, you know. Absolutely. That's, that's the that that's one of the biggest recruiting tools you can have. I mean, sure. You know, it's what okay. Alabama's had for what, years. What schools rule the five star recruits? Georgia, Bama, Georgia, Ohio Alabama, State. Clemson. Which schools have the most players in the NFL? Georgia, Bama, yeah. Ohio State. I mean, well, you get the five stars who then go to mm-hmm. college and you develop the five stars and they come out in their NFL player. You know, mm-hmm. first round picks. I mean, you know, now the coaches in, that the out. coaches that can develop the three and four stars into big time pros. That's even can better. really start recruiting well. Heck yeah, and you start replacing those three and four stars mm-hmm. to five stars. So yeah, all that's all that's different. But yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I don't, I don't two know the last know if, three losses. I mean, they lost to ranked teams, so there's nothing shame. You know, there's nothing really that bad about you know losing to ranked teams. But I, I don't I know just, if Billy Napier's the right coach for. I I, I don't know. It's too I, early I, to know. I, I think it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think and, those and close not to the program, go. those close to the go. program, are going to know more, right? You right. know, whether whether the culture of this. I think how they finish out the season will tell you some stuff too. Yep. You know sure the way will. they play, the way you know Players they may they may lose three or four. Up? Yeah. yeah, they may lose three or four, but look at how they're competing and this stuff. I mean, that's all part of it. Right. But I also don't think two years is enough time to. To know, unless you absolutely already know he's not. I mean, you know, I, I think they I think know that yet, and I don't, I don't think, think Billy Napier's in that category at Florida. No, not yet, but it sure would behoove him to win a couple SEC. I games think next year, now you better start seeing some big time improvement. Right. 
yeah, I mean, just beat up on the other guys in the conference. If you can't take down Georgia or, you know, one of the other heavyweights, that's one thing. But, you know, they still owe him a ton of money. I mean, you still got. Mm-hmm. You know, and and next year, don't forget the SEC's points. adding Texas and Oklahoma. And, you know, you're adding some bigger programs. Yeah. So no, it's going to be. The level of competition harder. steps up. It's going to be harder. Yeah. There'll be, there'll be, and there'll be more. You know, more people, not just in this conference, but players, you know, you're going to have to compete with right. in Texas. But next year, too, you also expand to 12 teams in the play. I mean, the SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma, the Big Ten adding Washington, Oregon, USC, and UCLA. Like, those conferences are loaded. Super conferences, you, I mean, yeah. all the, the Big Ten, all four of those schools are good. You add Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State to the mix. And then the SEC, Oklahoma, Texas. Yeah. I mean, to, to, to Georgia and Bama. That's my point, and, though. And, like, yeah. if you're not winning SEC games now, and Georgia mm-hmm. aside, right, mm-hmm. and maybe even Kentucky aside, like, if you're not, if if you can't beat the balance of the SEC the way it's constructed today, it's not going to get easier. Not when those other teams come. Well, it's not going to get easier, but Billy Napier by year three needs to be better. His teams better be better. Yeah, or they're in trouble. Or, or then he's in trouble. Right. I just know Florida fan, man. Well, I, the fans, absolutely. But I, I think if you're te- if you're firing coaches every two years, well, that's and what I'm Billy's not saying they're doing that. But that's what Billy's preaching is continuity. Like, hey, yeah. man, we we have to stick together and do this over a couple of years because you know they've they've gone the other route, and the other routes probably hurt them. You know, you fire the mm-hmm. coach, fire the you know, and then that group guy comes in and. The recruits that the other guy signed, he doesn't like, and then he has to go after his own. Like, it's just a cycle, you know. It's 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 a hard thing to break when you're firing coaches every three years. But um, it just wasn't a competitive game. I was disappointed because I was kind of I I didn't expect them to beat Georgia by any means, but it would have been nice to you know give me a half. And it was kind of like that throughout it, the entire Saturday. It would have been curious if they would have made that fourth down play. Oh well, yeah. How that how that rest of that first half would have played. <laughs> well, out. and he was looking for just that, right? Like mm-hmm. he was looking mm-hmm. for a spark. You know, he's looking. Hey, we, we're not going to line up and just beat these guys, right? We're going to have to take chances. Yep. We're going to have to have some trick plays. We're going to have to go for it on fourth down, and that's the way you want to play a team like that. That you're you're clearly not as good as talent wise, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to you know play a little little more loose. You know, a little more you know, sort of wide open and, and I don't, I don't begrudge him. Like I was saying, okay, go, you're going for it here. Okay, cool. I didn't mind the idea. I hated the play. Call. I didn't Not like just the play because call. it didn't work. It's just that to me, a couple of things, it, trickeration, uh, you know, if they don't take the cheese, you're dead. Right. So like you, you, you better, it better be really, you better sell it. And I mean, I like, they ran the you know they ran the quarterback up there and it looks like a sneak and they snapped the ball and maybe you still think it's a sneak but it's you know sort of a wildcat situation but you know to ask a running back who's left-handed uh you know to to throw for the first down or have an option of running it it just it, it it's not a high percentage call I think I wanted the ball in my quarterback's hand That's where yeah cuz whether he throws it or he sneaks it I think I feel better if it's in Mertz's hands right there but I'm not the head coach. You want so. to run that play on a two-point conversion, right? Yeah, I'm okay Absolutely. with that. I, I yeah. think that in that fourth, I think I want the ball in my quarterback's hands. But, but I like just, going for it. I just I, I, I love the like idea you. of I going like for it. I had no problem with that. None. Even if they didn't make, it. if they went for mm-hmm. a sneak and it didn't go well, you know, they needed a yard. So I get why you would go for it there. I just, 
I just didn't like the call, and it, and not just because it failed, but like Georgia, way too many good athletes, you know, to try to get a guy on the edge and have a running back throwing. Like just the idea of a running back throwing the ball is not your highest percentage play anyway, even if the guy was open. So I don't know. Um, but boy, there the uh, I guess the best. Like I thought Oregon and Utah was going to be a game. Boy, Oregon Ooh. is really good. And Bo Nix is going to be at the Heisman Trophy presentation as well. Mm-hmm. You go back and look at that Washington-Oregon game, those two will meet again, right, in the Pac-12 championship most likely? Uh, they absolutely could. I mean, and now what, that Oregon That's the game Utah. of the year, right? Like that, I can't wait to see that game again. Yeah, I, I mean, that's... playing tomorrow. That's, yeah, that's... I mean, if they can, if they can both win out, it should be the... The Pac-12 championship. I mean, I think USC still has one loss in conference, so they still have a say in this. Um, I That's think, hard I think to believe. Washington's they, undefeated. They win in overtime every game. It's like yeah. crazy. It's like no defense. Yeah, Cal yeah. went for two and missed it. That's how USC won this time. <laughs> but 50-49 to 49 or whatever it's just it was. insane. These, they've had double overtime games and scoring 50 points yeah. and winning by a couple. But, yeah, I think Washington's undefeated in conference. USC's got one loss. Oregon's got one loss. And then I think it's what Oregon State, Utah both have two losses. Yeah. Oregon State bad loss to Arizona. Oh yeah, that wasn't good. That wasn't good. There just wasn't a lot of close games. I, I it was one of those you no. know, even Colorado, I mean that I just was seeing you catching that. Oh, by the way. <laughs> so Dion after the game, you know, they're talking about his offense and, and he's like, Well, you know, when you can't run the ball and you know, Defense knows you're going to throw it a lot. Then you're susceptible to certain defenses and blah blah blah. And then they go, "Well, what's the pro- what? What's the problem is on the offense?" Well, no, it is the offensive line. Okay. And eventually they got him down to where he goes, "Yeah, we're going to have to change him." <laughs> it's like he literally fired all his scholarship offensive linemen that are starting for him this year. Like we need new ones. Is essentially what he was saying. No, that's I basically like, what he did when he came in. Was basically I want. I know, but these are the guys you picked. Like these are the guys you kept and or picked to bring in, and now publicly after a game, you pretty much said they're all gone. Like so, a lot of the guys I follow on Twitter and and you know, guys that know the game better than I do, have also they've been saying all year long, Colorado offensive line is a problem. Everybody knows it. Dion knows it. But he offers no help to them. They don't keep tight ends in. They don't have running backs chip guys. Like, they're leaving the offensive line on an island and then uh, are upset that the offensive line's not good. Like, that they can't block because they're giving them no help at know, all. Right? And all, all the you know former players that are analyzing it going, he's not helping them. Yeah. Like, okay, your offensive line isn't that good, but so give them some help. Yeah. Like, you're in keep your first it year. In. It takes – you can't – you can turn over a roster, but you're not going to – all of a sudden have everybody be great in one year. It just doesn't happen. Right. And and it's going to take Dion time. He had a great couple first weeks, got a lot of pieces. I mean, you know, Colorado's a lot better than they were the last couple of years. Yeah, they're one in Maybe 11. the last generation, they're a lot better than they've been. Right, right. And people want to play there, which is mm-hmm. new. Absolutely. You know. But it, it takes time. But, you know, maybe his scheme isn't, you know, maybe you got to adapt a little bit. To help your guys. Well, if he doesn't, he's going to get his son killed because he got beat up. I mean, he, he took a beating. Um, and his other son got thrown out of a football game for a hit, uh, which wasn't good, you know, for targeting or whatnot. So, 
Yeah, rough start. Rough start for the Dion's out, or not a rough start. They got off to a good mm-hmm. start, but lately they've been struggling. UCLA, but it's kind of so. what you expected. I mean, yeah, it is. Anybody who thought they were going to go nine and four this year, nine and three. Well, but I, you know, when you go three and zero out of the shoot, and there's so much excitement, they were the like the game of the week every week. Mm-hmm. You know, um, well, game days. I there mean, watching Travis and, Hunter, watching both of his sons. I mean, they're yeah. tremendous players. I mean, they got up to you know they were they they beat her at that time probably a ranked TCU team which we now know isn't that good, mm-hmm. but it was still an upset on the road and debut and everybody's like whoa look out! It was a fun story for about a month and a half and now sort of the bloom is off the rose and he's got a lot of work to do especially on the offensive line. Um, but I thought I, I just try to put myself uh, as a former scholarship athlete if my coach said. Yeah, we really need it. What we need is a new second baseman. And if we do that, we'll be fine. Like, I'd be like, I'm, you know, I can hear you, right? I can read this. Like, I'm still on the team. Well, the pairs are, the players are paid now, so you can treat them like pros, you know? Yeah, that's true. Good point. <laughs> if you can't handle it, there's some NIL money somewhere else, right? But it just, it was shocking to me that you would basically fire. And you still have games you got to play with these guys. It's not like, mm-hmm. hey, so we're not back next year, but you really got me inspired about playing this week, you know? Like, yeah, I'm gonna protect your kid. Don't watch me. <laughs> so it's kind of it was it was it was very uncomfortable to hear him say that. As as I just put myself in the in the because you know, I'm sure these guys these these kids that are on that offensive line are working as hard as they can and playing as the best they can. And like you said, maybe he's not giving them the most help. But don't just don't just you know tell everybody that they're gone. You know when you still got games to play. That's that's not necessarily the right approach. I don't know. Just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Most of the things Dion says I agree with, but this weekend, it just kind of stood out. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, so the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're back in action. Um, things are going well, I think. Wraps up their five-game homestand that's lasted two weeks tonight. A rare weekend off, no games. A lot of Thursday. time off between games, right? I yeah. mean, they've had some days off here. Yeah, so the Kraken in town tonight. Yanni Gord's Yanni back Gord. in town. Pierre Edward Belmar is on that team go. as well. A couple of pests right there. So, yeah, they'll wrap up their homestand, and they'll be on the road in Columbus uh, on Thursday. So, And all I care about is when is Vazzy back? Well, he was back at practice on Sunday. Like he was actually out there. He came out at the end of practice. Doing stuff like the uh, very light, just you know, out but, there. On but he's on skates in uniform at a practice. I mean, he didn't That's participate huge. in the practice, but he's that means he feel his back feels yeah. good enough to put all that gear on and stand yeah. there. Now, John Cooper said that doesn't change the timeline. This is just part of part of the rehab, rehab, and and you know, getting set. So it's still hoping for around Thanksgiving, maybe a little after mm-hmm. that he'll return. But in the meantime, Jonas Johansson's got two straight shutouts. He's playing fantastic, yeah. You know, so the good thing is you don't feel like you have to rush Vazzy back. No. Like you're getting no. great play out of your goaltender. Yeah, they have to be more than pleased with what he's done, given that he wasn't expected to be in this role, you know, until they found out in training camp that Vazzy yeah. was going to miss this time. So. Well, I think he's 4-2-1. and one. He's got like a 2 
254 goals against average and a 925 save percentage. Those are fantastic. That will play. That will play in the NHL. Yes, it will. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Much better than anybody could have expected. And like I said, when they do get Bassey back, maybe this guy can play more games and keep him kind of fresh and not have to you know, rush him back in. And I know he likes to play a lot, but... Um, in a weird way, maybe this will help preserve them. You know, if they make, if if, if and when they make it to the postseason. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we got the Bucks again back in action. Of course, uh, they're getting ready in preparation for their game on Sunday at Houston against the Texans, who were losers to the Carolina Panthers on the road. C.J. Stroud, of course, has been a pretty good quarterback, but maybe the Panthers gave the Bucks sort of a template on how to beat. Uh, that quarterback in that offense in particular as they, they held him down pretty good. Um, so a big win uh, or big game for the Bucs. They need to win this game. And if they do, they can hop right back in the thick of the NFC South because they got a little bit of a break when uh, the Atlanta Falcons lost and um, that knocked them down a peg. So now you've got, you know, both the Falcons and the Saints tied at four and four and the Bucks right behind them a little bit at three and four because they've had their bye week. So, uh, yeah, chance to get right, hop right back in the race. So not a bad weekend at all, uh, considering how things went Thursday night. All right, if you've got some mailbag questions, you can send that to us on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter address is at NFL Stroud, or we can send it to at SportsDayTB. You can also reach me in my email address, which is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'll answer all of those. We'll talk to Mac Baker later this week about some college football and get you ready of course, for the Bucks and the Texans on Sunday. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.